We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have a game to preview. The 49ers head to Cincinnati for week 14, the 6-6 six six 49ers taking on the 7-5 Cincinnati Bengals. 49ers favored by 2.5. Going to be a really interesting game. And we're going to discuss whether or not the Bengals are good. And then we'll do our pick six. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Chris, I don't know if the Bengals are good or not. My retort would be, I don't know if the Niners are good or not. Right. <laughs> and and I think that you could probably just start at the number five seed of, of both conferences and work your way down. And and probably five through 12 or 13 in both conferences, you have, you have similar questions. But let me start. I'll, I'll start here. We'll start with the 49ers. If they can go in to Cincinnati and win a game where Emmanuel Mosley is out, um, that's not official, but it sounds like he's going to miss a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. So it's Josh Norman and pick a corner on the other side. Dante Johnson, I would I would guess. Don, yeah, probably Dante Johnson. But Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore are also options. Not great. And on the offensive side, neither Debo Samuel, we're recording this Thursday night, neither Debo Samuel nor Elijah Mitchell has practiced so far this week. Um, They certainly could be good to go by Sunday, but um, not super promising that neither player was available through the first two days of practice. And it appears that Jamichael Hasty and Jeff Wilson Jr. will be the two healthy running backs. If they win in those circumstances, it will change a lot of what I feel about the 49ers just kind of as a, as a whole. Yeah. It's a lot I, of adversity. I agree. And, and the big thing with the 49ers, like, I guess maybe taking you taking out week one against the lions, because that was kind of a weird one. Mm-hmm. Like all of their wins have sort of come with the sim- similar formula, right? It's been like, run the ball, run the ball effectively and run the ball to the point where you don't need Jimmy Garoppolo to win you the game. Mm -hmm. And we still haven't seen that game yet really from Jimmy Garoppolo where, Hey, if the running game's not working well, you still have enough offensively with Jimmy Garoppolo to, to score enough points. And I think that's really the issue um, particularly without Elijah Mitchell, because I think there's a pretty big drop-off between Elijah Mitchell and the rest of the running backs, right? So mm-hmm. that's ultimately, to me, until the 49ers can prove they can win that game, I'm not going to expect them to win that type of game. Um, and, you know, it's December, and they haven't won a game like that yet. So right. I, it's it's hard to expect that 
that type of performance coming. Um, but, you know, you you would expect them maybe to to bounce back a little bit from that Seahawks game. But on the same token, you might say the same thing about the Bengals who are coming off a 41 to 22 loss at home to the Chargers. Um, so they could also be looking at a bounce back scenario, right? And they turn mm-hmm. the ball over four times um, against LA and, and Cleveland's kind of been this team that like Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Sorry. I was looking at their PF, their pro football reference page and I'm it's all in Ohio. Myself. It's the same. It's the same thing. Uh, don't, don't say that to, to don't let, <laughs> don't let anyone from Ohio. Hear <laughs> but I'm looking like they, they're kind of a weird team in that, like, you know, they blew out the Ravens, right? Forty-one seventeen. Mm-hmm. Then they got thumped, or they didn't get thumped. They lost to the Jets on the road, thirty-four thirty-one. Which that I think was the is Mike really, White game. Yeah, and that's really the game that's that sort of sticks out to everybody who's like, I don't know if if Cincinnati's any good. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, coming off that, they return home and get their doors blown off by the Browns 41 yeah. 16. They have the bye. They come back, they handle the Raiders. Um, and then they just blow the doors off the Steelers and then they get trounced by the chargers. It's just like, this is a hard team to figure out, right? Totally. Because Cincinnati, it feels like it could go one of two ways. It feels like Cincinnati could blow the 49ers out or they could get blown out by the 49ers. I just don't love the matchups, right? And and particularly with the health situations, right? Like you you wouldn't love the 49ers really going against any team with a good receiving core right now. Right. And the Bengals have a really good young receiving core with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. <clears throat> Excuse me, Tyler Boyd. Uh, and you don't have Emmanuel Mosley. So you're going to have Josh Norman, Dante Johnson, like you said, like – that's that seems like a tall task and mm-hmm. maybe the the Bengals offensive line which isn't great is is going to struggle enough against the 49ers defensive front that the 49ers can win the game on the strength of their pass rush or at least they can do enough defensively to be in a position to win the game All right so so ultimately to me I think it comes down to turnovers and you know it, it's pretty it's pretty black and white for the 49ers this season when it comes so when it comes to the turnover battle. They're 4-0 when they win the turnover battle. Right. They're 1 and 4 when they lose the turnover battle and they're 1 and 2 when they have as many giveaways as takeaways in a game. Right? So like we can break down everything we want to about the 49ers, but ultimately that's been the biggest indicator of their wins and losses this year. And if you dive deeper into that, that comes down to how Jimmy Garoppolo plays, right? And if you're running the ball effectively, um, you're putting the ball at risk fewer times because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to throw as much. Um, And so ultimately, if they can get to that game script and if they can get a big game out of Jeff Wilson Jr., because I don't think it's going to come from Jermichael Hasty, then the 49ers might have a real chance. Otherwise, I think it would take a scenario that we haven't seen yet. And therefore like from my standpoint, can't expect, right? Sure. Like, I can't expect the 49ers to go into Cincinnati, beat a, a potential playoff team on the road with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing 40 times and not turning it over to the point where it costs them the game. Well, and someone might point to the saints game in 2019. It was a but long time. Ago. That was, it was a long time ago. There's no Emmanuel Sanders here. There's no Raheem Mostert here. There's not going to be a Debo Samuel like the it would not only be Jimmy Garoppolo having a huge game. It would be Jimmy Garoppolo having a huge game where he elevates guys like Juwan Jennings and Trent Sherfield Samuel might in, in a way that in a way that in a way that we haven't seen. And, and you're right. Samuel might play. But how how effective is he going to be, um, you know, nursing a groin injury remains to be seen. Um, and that's just right now, not something I'm I'm super banking on. Um, but the fact remains, I mean, this offense just doesn't, in its current state, doesn't have the weapons that that, that 2019 offense had in in New Orleans. So to expect, to your point, to expect Jimmy Garoppolo to go out and throw it 40 times and, and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, 
it may be, but that's not on the list of potential outcomes for Sunday. That's not, that's not super high on my list. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's just, you know, it, it, it'll be, I think it's just going to come down to how often the 49ers can run the ball and whether or not that allows them to, to score enough points while also not turning the ball over. Right. Can you, can you shorten the game with now Joe Burrow dealing with a pinky injury on his throwing hand, mm-hmm. which is noteworthy. The Bengals are 23rd in pass blocking per uh, pro football focus. Not a great offensive line. We knew that coming into the year. It's just a matter of can Eric Armstead have the kind of game that he had against Seattle where he's really good. DJ Jones is really good against Seattle. Uh, Nick Bose is really good every week. Can you up and down the defensive line? Can you get big enough games where they are generating turnovers? And you said it like Cincinnati is susceptible to turning the ball over. I think they've, I think they've had at least one turnover in every game since like week three or four since week four since week four. And that, that was against the Jags and their turnover since then two, one, 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 three, one, one, four. Like they, they will give the ball away. It's just a matter of a, are the 49ers giving it back and B when, when San Francisco does get a takeaway, are they churning out a long drive in points? Or if, if it's a short field, are they, are they just turning it into a touchdown? Yeah. That's going to, that's, 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 I mean, this kind of underscores the whole issue with the 49ers, right? That really the only path to victory against the kind of, you know, mediocre-ish seven and five Bengals team is run the ball, get turnovers and don't turn it over. I mean, that's the like one path <laughs> to, to victory. If they're not getting turnovers, the Bengals are going to score 40. The Bengals have also four state turnovers on defense the last three games. Yeah. So it, it'll be I, ultimately like I, you love to dive into like everything that's gone right and that's gone wrong for the 49ers. But like, really, I think it's that simple. Like, it's really it's just about turnovers for this team. Yeah. And uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with quarterback play. Um, it's going to take it's going to take a really gutty performance, I think, because, you know, the 49ers really wanted to win that Seahawks game. And yep. they probably should have, yep. right? Based up based on all the self-inflicted wounds that they've had, and they look, they just got to clean those things up. They got to be better on special teams. Um, they cannot get, they cannot afford to give up any more special team touchdowns. That goes without saying, right? That should be obvious, but they've given up special teams touchdowns two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, they could use a defensive touchdown, right? Like those, those are huge. Those are or, huge for- or a turnover deep in in right Cincinnati's territory, you know, where they're they're turning it over like they did against uh, like they did against the Vikings, you know, where you take over at the at the at the one. Right. And the Rams, they had a pick six. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the analysis going into this game, like I. I just have a hard time really figuring out how to, like, dive deep and, like, really get into the minutia of it. Because it's very the, obvious. Yeah, the 49ers team, as we know it in de- early December, is really all predicated on turnovers. Because if they're not turning the ball over, then chances are Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well enough for you to win. Mm-hmm. And the running game is doing enough to control time of possession. And if you're doing that, you're probably getting a good performance from your defense. Um, and there's a decent chance you're playing from ahead, allowing your pass rush to do work, right? Like that's, that's the formula. But the problem with the 49ers formula is that it, it, it isn't a problem with the formula. It's a problem with the team is that they have to play with that formula, or at least everything they've shown us this season is that has that that's what the formula has to be. Very little flexibility. They don't have flexibility. And so maybe look, Maybe we see, you know, if if Elijah Mitchell's not in the game or he can't play, um, Jeff Wilson Jr.'s banged up. He only played two snaps last week because of a knee injury, which he had surgery on over the summer. Right. So if you're if Jamichael Hasty and Brian Hill have to play a lot, like you're not going to be able to run the ball 40 times. And then what you're going to you're going to ram Debo Samuel into the line of scrimmage 15 times. 
coming off his groin injury like no chance. so are there are there unforeseen wild cards that Kyle Shanahan could pull out of his back pocket could Trey Lance be in the mix Whoa. could he get used I'm not counting on it and I would I would bet against it but like is there a scenario where Kyle Shanahan decides because of the injuries that he needs to he needs to go into his bag a little bit and and be a little bit more creative than you know we got to run the ball 40 times or else right. you know we're not going to have a chance so i thought we might see a little bit of that last week and we didn't but to to that point if you if they play the exact same game offensively that they played last week and don't turn it over three times i think they win on sunday yeah. And they averaged six and a half yards of play. And they were, for the most part, you know, really good, save for, save for, you know, uh, Tom Compton getting blown up and Jimmy Garoppolo taking a safety and then the two interceptions. And then the special teams turnover, but you already spoke to the special teams. The thing that jumps out to me is in the receiving core, if Debo Samuel's not going to be there or if Debo Samuel is going to be limited in some way. You need more than, uh, let's see, three, six catches for 76 yards from your receiving core. Check that, 79 yards, which is what they got from Brandon Ayuk and and Trent Sherfield and Juwan Jennings. Not that you expect any, uh, Ayuk, but not that you expect Jennings or Sherfield to be, you know, eight catches for 100 yards, but they need more from those guys. And that, that that's partially on the quarterback, but I think too to the to what you were saying, Shanahan needs to do something that gets those guys involved in some way. And you saw Sherfield involved in the red zone there at the end of the game, where the 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 last two passes were targeted for him. But I would like to see that a little earlier, where those guys are getting involved. I think I think Jawan Jennings can do a lot of the stuff Debo can do in space. He's not as fast, but I think he's he's just as physical. He's just as hard to bring down. Um, I think that they can do more with, with Ayuk and, and if they do have a situation where it's Jamichael Hasty and Brian Hill are their top two running backs, get Ayuk out in space, throw him some screens, just get, get him some jet sweeps. Like do something to get the ball in the hands of your best playmakers. I think Kittle's going to be there, but what <laughs> Kittle had 181 of Jimmy Garoppolo's 299 yards. That can't happen again if they're going to beat a Bengals team that's kind of as loaded offensively as this one. Completely agree. I think regardless if Debo Samuel plays or not, like even if Debo Samuel does play, I think you need a big game for Brandon Ayuk. Yes. Um, just because, I mean, you've been waiting for it. There have been signs of it. He's had some nice sort of complimentary games. But like it's time it, it, talking about wrinkles and like some new developments for the offense, like a Brandon Ayuk breakout game would be really big, mm-hmm. especially if it comes in a scenario where you're not able to run the ball 40 times. Like if mm-hmm. if you're if Ayuk emerges over these last five games as a weapon that the 49ers can utilize in the passing game in unique ways that changes the way they can play offensively and changes the way they can win, then that's enormous for them Mm -hmm. because they can only win one way right now. So I think, I think Ayuk is somebody that should have a big week or like the 49ers could really use a good Brandon Ayuk game Mm -hmm. because obviously Debo Samuel has been one of the best players in the league this season. George Kittle's George Kittle if you can get a third guy to complement everything else that's going on along with Elijah Mitchell, then the ceiling for this offense gets a lot higher. Right. And so that ability to, to find different weapons and spread the ball around and, and just be more versatile in the way you attack defenses by way of just having quality pass catchers and offensive weapons that makes life a lot easier for Jimmy Garoppolo and that'll make life a lot easier for Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. Look, it's a, it's a big week. Like it's a big week. They have three, three of their last five are on the road. You losing to Seattle made it. So you kind of had to win this one. I I just, I, 
I think the Niners need to get to nine wins, which means three and two down the stretch. Right. Which means they have to win at least one of these road games. And Cincinnati, you can make a case, is probably the most winnable, depending on what, you know, what week 18 against the Rams look like. Their, their three remaining road games are Cincinnati, Tennessee, and maybe Tennessee's really banged up. Um, and maybe that game on a short week is easier than it looks right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Ram, maybe there isn't much to, you know, now that the Rams are two games up on the Niners, maybe there isn't much um, at stake week 18 in terms of standings. But like mm-hmm. the Niners need to get to nine wins, in my opinion, to to clinch a playoff spot. Which means they need to go three and two the rest of the way and they have three road games and two home games. So they have to win one of these three road games in addition to beating both the Falcons and Texans at home, which they absolutely right. should. Right. Yeah. If they lose one of those, they don't deserve to make the playoffs, frankly. Yeah. I mean, you can make the case with some of the losses they've had this year. Like, uh, I don't know if they deserve to make the playoffs, but, but yeah, like you have to win at least one of these road games. So that's why the Cincinnati game is so big. Um, and it's going to be difficult because the 49ers cornerbacks were an issue when you had Emmanuel Mosley. Right. And now you don't. So, you it starts and ends with the turnover battle for me. Do you know what can't happen on Sunday? They can't lose a turnover battle. They can't call a play that involves George Kittle not being good enough to be on the field. That was very odd. It was the most bizarre. If you didn't hear it, Kyle Shanahan got asked about the fourth and two. By just a really quality journalist. All right, y'all. The 49ers are six and six. The playoff race has been on, but now we're down to the final five games of the season. And you're going to want to be in the building at Levi Stadium. The 49ers have two home games left. They have one against the Cardinals, and then they have one against the Texans. You're going to be one of you're going to want to be in the building for one, if not both of those. Maybe you want to be there. Maybe there's a 49 in your 49er fan in your life that would like to be there and you're looking for a Christmas gift for them. Well, hey, I've got good news for you. You don't need to exhaust yourself going all over the internet, Googling all this. Oh, I need tickets and cheap tickets and oh, hitting up Facebook. And there's nothing worse than going on Facebook and being like, anybody have tickets to the Niner game? No, you don't have to do that anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to go to for all of your NFL tickets. TickPick, they got they they did away with the the fees and the the extra charges and stuff that are just random like hey you're not gonna not go so here's a three dollar fee um, and then by the end you realize that you're paying double what you thought you were gonna be paying for tickets that TickPick doesn't do that which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets and if you don't believe it if you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site. TickPick will give you 100, 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I was so shocked by that that I stumbled over it. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right. You heard me right. I didn't get Niner tickets recently, but I did use TickPick to go to the Sacramento Kings Los Angeles Clippers game a couple weekends ago. I guess it was last weekend. I had a blast. I ate at the downtown comments beforehand. Hadn't even gotten tickets yet. I was like, I need to snag some tickets. I went on tickpick.com slash candlestick. Super easy and super cheap. It's so nice seeing a price on tickets, grabbing two, and knowing when I check out, that's going to be the price. I'm not going to be hit with a bunch of charges and fees. It's awesome. So again, if you want to go, if you have a Niner fan in your life that wants to go, they have two home games left, and they're going to need to win both of those games in the playoff race. Levi's is going to be incredible and you're going to want to be in the building. So visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's tickpick.com slash candlestick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so, so on the fourth and two where Jimmy Garoppolo did the zone read that wasn't supposed to be a zone read, but it got messed up. And so Garoppolo just kind of took it upon himself to try and save the play. George Kittle wasn't on the field. Neither was Kyle Juszczyk, but that's sort of behind, beside the point. <laughs> and neither was Kyle Juszczyk. But Kyle Shanahan basically said it's a schematic thing and has to do with what we think players are best at or what we think players do well. Something to the effect of Ross Duelli was better for that play than George Kittle. And if that's the case with any play, it shouldn't be in the playbook anymore. Because that play is not going to work. The explanation was bad. Um, I asked the question and I framed the, I I didn't ask the question saying, Oh, you asked. Yeah. I I asked the question. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't ask the question. I didn't ask why wasn't George Kittle on the field on fourth down because in football games, a lot of things happen, right? Maybe George Kittle, something happened on the play before and he kind of hurt himself and took himself out of the game. And then, you know, whatever, like a lot of things happen in games beyond just like, Hey, we need, this person on the field for this play. Um, sometimes some of that is out of the coach's control. Like he would, you know, so I, I asked the question, what happened leading up to that play that led to George Kittle not being in it thinking that like, Oh, well something happened and you know, George wasn't took himself, whatever. And the rationale from Shanahan was they call it a play that didn't require George Kittle, which is wild. That's an insane thing to do. It's fourth and one. George Kittle had 180 yards and two touchdowns. He's the best blocking tight end in the league, and it's probably not particularly close. He's your biggest threat as a pass catcher at that point. I don't understand. Like, I would love, I would love to hear the actual, like, what the play call was and why George Kittle couldn't be out there. So <laughs> there's no, even if the Niners go five wide, like George Kittle's going to be on the field. There's zero, there are zero things that make sense with Kittle not being on the field. He had the, he, was he like banged up or something? Like that's like the only, that's the, that, that would be the only reasonable explanation where I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Where, you know, he tweaked his ankle or something and Shanahan doesn't want it out there that he's dealing with an ankle tweak. And so he's just like, yeah, schematics and, you know, like, we'll scheme that right about the playbook because that's bad. <laughs> I wouldn't run zone read to Jimmy Garoppolo anyway. or w- involving Jimmy Garoppolo. I understand right. they run it a lot, but like they come up with a better fourth and one play. It doesn't even like and have to get <laughs> on the field for it. Right. Not, that's, let's not that's let's not outthink this. Kyle that's Shanahan. I still believe that Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive play callers and designers in the, in the NFL full stop, but he is prone to being too cute and overthinking things from my standpoint and just trying to do too much. And there, there are things that are very questionable about what he does. He's stubborn in a lot of ways. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe this was just a one-off thing that, that we don't, really have a full understanding of why George Kittle wasn't on the field in that play. But yeah, this was one of those Kyle Shanahan in general, just is not he, as good as he is at designing offense and calling plays. He's not great on fourth down, particularly fourth and short. And this is anecdotal and I don't have numbers to back this up at the moment, but like there are a lot. I remember his first game as 49ers head coach against Carolina. He was like, the game was just marred by him screwing up fourth down 
and he loved like in the Saints game last year. You know, there was like a Jarek McKinnon. That was against the Seahawks. Well, no, there was one against the Saints too. Oh no, it was Richie James because Richie James the week prior had run the scout team as Lamar Jackson, and they were like, "Huh, this is." Well, fun. no, that was 2019. I'm talking last year against the oh, Saints. Oh, there okay. were some bad fourth down plays, I'd, and like Jarek McKinnon ran a, a zone read. And I like, don't even was, remember them playing the Saints last year. Oh yeah, it was yeah. They, they definitely did. It was a Nick Mullins game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And Richie they James were... fumbled a punt. Yes. That's right. And there that. were some weird fourth down plays. I, one was, I think, a, a direct snap to Jerick McKinnon. And just like a lot of like, I mean, maybe it's just me. And maybe I cannot stand fourth and short, just like ramming it up the middle. Like the 49ers like, on like maybe run where all the bodies aren't. The 49ers is your Chris, to your point. <laughs> They have had 10 plays of fourth and one, two or three. So three or fewer. Mm-hmm. They've run it six times for seven yards and picked up three first downs. On 10 plays? Yeah. They've thrown it three times um, and gotten two first downs and thrown a touchdown. Maybe play action. Yeah, just something maybe more not creative. Just something Garoppolo. more creative. Like I don't, and maybe that's a maybe that's a byproduct of not trusting the quarterback. But like on a fourth and one, I feel like every playbook should have the the play that Kittle turned into the huge gain against the Saints in 2019, and then the the 49 yard touchdown against against the Seahawks. Like draw that up. I don't. I know it's not that easy, but it should be. Hey, here's a play that we know is going to get us three yards at least. I'm not going to Run pretend it. to be an X's and O's guru because I'm not. I'm definitely not. Just have George Kittle on the field. Get him on the field. <laughs> we agree there. If anybody disagrees, like, don't let us know because your explanation is <laughs> not going to make sense. I don't, I don't know if anybody disagrees with us on that. Anyway, let's do pick six. Yeah. Hey, Tyler, the thing. I'm not, six. Ra- I, I, I'm not a rapper, obviously. But you just like, crush a lot. Well, yeah, like that's not the words. Obviously. But how cool would it be to be on stage and just be like, drop that shit? And then the DJ like plays a song, an instrumental, and the crowd goes nuts. That's what I feel Pretty like. Pretty cool. That this might be the closest <laughs> we get to that. You've been you've been because of people you know to way more like live shows like that where you've been on or backstage when a crowd goes nuts when a beat drops. So you have a much better reference point to me than me. Yeah, well Yeah, I mean I'm not going to pretend like I've been to like tons and tons of shows, but yeah, I have been to a decent amount of shows. But yeah, it's concerts is fun. This is a complete, It's quality it's quality aside. of the experience I'm talking about, not quantity yeah. of the experience. <laughs> sure. Sure. One of the probably one of the coolest ones was on stage at the Phoenix in Petaluma, huge venue, like basically the Madison Square Garden of Sonoma County. Right. It's often called that. <laughs> the Mecca. Um, it was Tracks a Million and San oh. Quinn. And they they it was uh, the debut of that San Francisco song. Mm. The SF anthem, the cover. Who do they cover? So like Phil Collins or something. Anyway, look up, look up San Quinn SF Anthem. That's probably the coolest one. I was like, because the crowd really went nuts for that. No one had, had ever heard the song before. So was, cool. Yeah. Good Love that. Yeah. You haven't so heard that song? From you know that song. Yeah, I, I, I do. I just couldn't tell you anything about it. Like I couldn't start humming it right now. Hit like Barry, score like Jerry. Sure. Okay. <laughs> The Pittsburgh uh, I know six. ain't got no Steelers. Um, Which, by the way, big time stress for your boy there at the end of that Steelers Vikings game on Thursday night. Not stress, but um, I had James Washington to score two touchdowns at plus forty nine hundred, 
and I had five bucks on it because why not sprinkle a little on that? I thought he was going to have a good game and he had a touchdown and the Steelers had it like inside the 15 with 30 seconds left and Roethlisberger took a shot to him and uh, and missed him. Tough. I watched the Tough first scene. half with our good pal Nick Wagner um, at a local establishment in Mountain View. Yeah, no, I must all see him by the time. It was not it was not a great showing for uh, for the Steelers in the first half. You know, you live very far away. I'm super. You could have been (laughs) you could have been like, hey, come out. We'll buy all your food and beer. And I'd be like, not making it, guys. Yeah, we have traffic. I'm a two and a half hour drive at this time of day. Yeah. Anyways, let's do pick six. Do you You have have the first pick? pick this week? I have the first pick. You do. Um, I'm going to continue the trend. I'm not going to go full hipster this week, but I'm going to continue the trend of trying to find under the radar guys. Sure. Who are not just the, the obvious candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with DJ Jones. I love that first pick because he was excellent against the Seahawks. Um, he's in a contract year. Uh, he's been lost for the season late. Uh, in seasons with ankle issues the last couple of years and he wants to cash out but he also wants to help the 49ers win and I think he's a really good player I think DJ Jones is one of the Niners more underrated players he's very good and Joe Mixon is one of the better running backs in the league um, not a lot of people talk about Joe Mixon in, in those terms but he scored 12 touchdowns this season I believe which is a lot and in order to stop Joe Mixon, I think it's going to take a, a nice performance from DJ Jones. So I'm picking DJ Jones first overall as a under the radar 49er that uh, that the 49ers need to have a big game. I love that pick. I'm right there with you. DJ Jones does like one to three things per game that just jump off the screen. Like he'll have a tackle for loss or a sack or he'll read a fake field goal and tackle a tight end in space. (laughs) Right. He's a crazy athlete. He's an unbelievable athlete. And it shows like just watch number 93 on Sunday and there'll be, like I said, one to three plays that just just blow your socks off. He's a very, very good player. And another part of the pick is that you need ancillary pass rushers outside Mm -hmm. of Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. And Jones is as likely a candidate as any outside of maybe Eric Armstead. The sack he had, I think it was against Kyle Allen and the Panthers in 2019, where he just kind of snaked through the line. And then it was like he was shot out of a cannon to get to the quarterback and drag him down. It was an unreal play. Do you remember the one against the Seahawks at the home game in 2019? Yes, when where he, just... he bowled over. I think Ben Hunt was their backup center's name. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the photos I use when I do like a DJ Jones related post is him just swallowing up Russell Wilson with the center flat on his back. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great picture. Um, my, my, this would, this two weeks ago was a hipster pick and now it seems pretty chalk. I'm taking Aziz Alshire because even with Fred Warner back, Aziz Alshire just finds ways to be around the ball and make plays. And players with a nose for the football, um, especially in a game like this where they're going to need help in coverage. They're going to need help in in run support. And I think that a guy like Aziz Alshire is going to continue making – like I don't think it's, it's a fluke that he's been given a bigger role and just continues to shine. I don't think this is going to be something where the Bengals can just game plan around Aziz Alshire. Like they're worried about Nick Bosa. They're worried about Fred Warner. And there's going to be a lot of – opportunities for Aziz Alshire to make plays and uh, track record says his track record says that he's going to make those plays. Um, I don't know if he'll generate another turnover this week, like he has the last couple weeks, but um, I expect him to be heavily involved. Maybe get a good big third down stop. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you can go into a game talking about the Niners defense and not bring up Alshire. The interception that he almost had, uh, against the Seahawks, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, would have been one of the biggest plays of the game. It, it would have been enormous. Yeah. Um, agree with you. I like that pick. If if uh, you have not read Marcus Thompson's piece on Al Shire in the Athletic, do so. If you have not subscribed to the Athletic, do so just to read that 
and honestly, anything Marcus Thompson writes, Tim Kawakami's there. He's great. Um, Matt Barrows, friend of the pod, is there. Um, just an ad for the athletic right there. But um, Marcus Thompson's piece on Aziz Alshire was excellent. That was the point. I just didn't want to single anyone out. Sure. And now I've let Jordan Rodriguez, friend of the pod, covers the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Third overall pick. I'm going to stick on the defense, even though we've already picked two defensive guys. Mm. I'm going to go with somebody I don't think we've picked in pick six this season. And it's somebody who I've been critical of, extremely critical of, who I'm going to continue to be critical of. But I think the 49ers need this person to have a good game in order to win. And I find it very difficult for them to win if this person does not have a good game. And that's mm. Josh Norman. God, that was going to be my next son of a gun. Um because he's you're at a disadvantage when Josh Norman is having to cover your bet your opponent's best receiver. Mm-hmm. He can be physical at the line if he's if a receiver gets a good release against him, there's a really good chance Norman's gonna hold him. Um <laughs> there's a really good chance that Norman's gonna commit a pass interference penalty. Uh and he just hasn't been that good. But there's also a chance that Norman plays well, maybe punches a ball out or two and forces a turnover or two and becomes one of the more important players of the game. And I just think you'll be able to tell the outcome of the game based on what kind of game Josh Norman has. Mm -hmm. Because if he's burnt toast then the Niners are probably going to lose. If he's right. if he holds up well enough in coverage and maybe forces a turnover and the 49ers win, like that wouldn't at all be surprising, right? So that's the case for Josh Norman because you have Jamar Chase, you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, like you have good receivers you're going against. So I am uh, I'm picking Josh Norman with my second pick because he's going to be an indicator of how how this game goes for the 49ers. Yeah. I, like I said, he was going to be my next pick. I love that as bad as he's been. Um, I mean, he followed DK Metcalf for a lot of Sunday and it wasn't a total disaster. So, I mean, Jamar chase is a different animal from DK Metcalf. So is T Higgins. So is Tyler Boyd. Like they all offer something different, but if he can limit, (laughs) <laughs> one of those guys and make life easier on K1 Williams and Dante Johnson and, and Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski tart. Then I, I think that's a, that's a pretty significant victory for the 49ers. If he doesn't get burned and, or commit a pass interference on like a third and 14, mm-hmm. you're feeling better about your chances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> I'm going to jump over to the offensive side for the fourth overall pick my second pick. And I'm going to take Jeff Wilson jr because I think he's going to be RB one. And we talked about it. If the 49ers are going to win, they're running it between 30 and 40 times. That probably means 23 to 28 carries for Jeff Wilson jr. Now the, the, the key is so this year in his three games, he's gone 10 for 28, 19 for 50 and two for five. He hasn't found the end zone yet. But he finished last year really strong. He had the 17 carries for a buck 12 and three touchdowns against New England. Then he got hurt. Um, and then he came back and was really, really good to, to finish the year and went 88 carries for 437 yards and three touchdowns over the last six games. That's almost five yards a carry. If he has that type of game against Cincinnati, like if you just show me a box score that has Jeff Wilson Jr. stat line and he's 23 carries for 130 yards and, and a touchdown or two. Like I I'm giving you a 49ers win by, by more than a couple points. So I'm taking Jeff Wilson jr. Because I think their offense is going to run through him. And a lot of their success will be based on his success. I like it. That's a good pick. Um, all right. I've gone sort of under the radar with the first two picks. I'm reverting to chalk. Do it. Take number 85. Yeah, I'm taking George Kittle. <laughs> because 
it's hard to envision the 49ers being able to do much offensively, particularly if Debo Samuel doesn't play, mm-hmm. particularly with the running back situation being what it is. As much as I like the Jeff Wilson Jr. pick, I just think the Niners are going to have to lean on George Kittle a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably going to be true over the last five games of the season. And I think there's Kyle Shanahan has a vision of incorporating George Kittle into the passing game more, having Debo Samuel do all the fun Debo Samuel things all over the formation. Um, and then maybe that's that's an evolution of the 49ers offense late in the season. Um, but right now, with Debo banged up, with the running back situation being what it is, he's your guy. He's your number one offensive weapon. He's your best blocker uh, in the running game. Well, him and Trent Williams are your best blockers. And I just think he's in order for the 49ers to win and score points. It's going to take a good game from George Kittle. Groundbreaking analysis. It's huge. On Candlestick Chronicles. <laughs> well, if you're going to go chalk, I'm going to go chalk. Then. I'm going to take Nick Bosa. Sure. Because I don't know how the Bengals block him. In the same way, I don't know how the 49ers cover Jamar Chase. I don't know how the Bengals block George Kitt- uh, Nick Bosa. And maybe it means that they're throwing three guys, Adam and DJ Jones and Eric Armstead and Samson Ebukam and, and pick a defensive lineman, have a big game instead. But we've seen teams game plan for Nick Bosa, and he still monster game. I don't want to predict... So this is not an official prediction. So no victory lap if it's right. But I think he, there's, hmm, not a prediction. How do I word this? There's a strong possibility that he ties his career high of three sacks. Oh. It just, it feels like he's due for just a monster, holy hell game. Like, you know, he's had, he's had a couple of two sack games, but. I think the Eagles, he had two sacks, but there's one. It's like, I mean, okay, he gets credit for it, but it was kind of a whole defensive line thing. There's just, it feels like there's a, there's no outright like defensive player of the year leader right now. And if the 49ers go into Cincinnati and they win and Nick Bosa has like three sacks and forces a fumble, um, which he actually stated today, another fantastic journalist asked him if it was, um, something that is as good as to get fumbles. And he answered in the affirmative. I'm glad that the hardworking journalist on it at Levi Stadium are getting those answers for us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes or no um, questions. It's always, it's always, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you go to ask a question, you sort yeah. of lose it in your head. You're in the in the spotlight at the at that moment. There are like 20 people in the room, and sometimes it, it happened. It's happened to me. I have flat out during the playoffs in 2019. I went to ask Nick Bosa a question, and I started the question, and then completely forgot what I was going to ask. Oof. And I told him, I said, I don't remember what my question is. <laughs> and then Brutal. we moved on. <laughs> it happens sometimes. And they haven't the let you in the locker room since. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And nothing to do with anything else that's happened in the world since then. No. Um, but it just like, there's no like clear. And I could just Niners going to Cincinnati. They win. Nick Bosa has like three sacks and forces a fumble. And all of a sudden it's like, look at what Nick Bosa is doing in San Francisco. So um, I could just, I could see that again, not an official prediction, but uh, would not surprise me. Folsom Bulldog or former Folsom Bulldog, Jonah Williams might have something to say about that. Kyle. Boy. your knowledge <laughs> your knowledge of sacramento area football high school football specifically on this podcast is unmatched it's unmatched on this podcast on but this i know podcast, very little yeah. i've i've watched and written about a few high school games in sacramento but Folsom man that Folsom de la salle game last weekend was crazy I, yeah. I very much enjoyed it yeah Folsom's playing for the uh the state championship this weekend so good luck to them if any if any of the Folsom bulldogs listen i'm not sure if they do but if Anybody listens, good luck to them. And uh, their win over De La Salle was, was really cool to, really cool to see. Nito, you got anything else for us? Any other <laughs> high school, Sacramento area, high school football nugs for us? Nope. That's it. I've That's exhausted my knowledge mm. of, or, or, or what I'm willing to, uh, what I'm willing to pass on on this podcast. Yeah. Maybe we can start a, <laughs> a 
a nope. San Juan Keaton section Chronicles podcast with Cam. You Salano. and Joe, that's you that's and Joe Davidson, bro. <laughs> no, I mean Joe, Joe and Cam. That's that's Joe and Cam. They the content that those guys like the stories that they write. It's wild to me because it's hard. Like it's football it's, stuff. We can sit at home and write about uh, NFL stuff because everything's right. on the internet. Like. High school is a very different animal. There's a, a a different level of effort it takes to report all those stories. So yeah. shout out to those guys. They do incredible work. Absolutely. So subscribe to the Sacramento Bee and read about high school football. In the Please Sacramento do. Area. Subscribe to the Bee. Make my bosses happy. Yeah. They love subscriptions. This is great. We're just telling people, you know, subscribe to this, subscribe to that. Niners wire is free before the athletic. If, just, if you're trying to decide right, and you're a fan right, of this podcast, right, so yeah. subscribe to the Bee first. Right. And then and then maybe mosey on over to the athletic. But the, I just I'm going to put this out there. Niners <laughs> wire is free. <laughs> the quality of work much worse. <laughs> but true. boy, there's content. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, subscribe, rate and review. We'll have a post game pod up for you. I'm guessing Monday. We'll probably record Sunday night and uh, we'll have some pods coming out later in the week. And it seems like a lot of what's coming for the 49er season hinges on how Sunday goes. So it should be a fun one. We will see you guys on the other side. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.